And by the time our doctor got back with it, the boss was real, real. I'm talking about this guy's real, real. He was real cocky with it. And the way it hurted me to hear how he was talking to my wife. So I wear that logo every day knowing I'm not getting paid. And actually, they gentrify in my neighborhood where my grandmother was raised. My mom was raised. And a lot of people scared to stand up for their rights. A lot. So I feel like for the people that scared to stand up, stand up. Because you'll never know who's standing up with you. So I'll be catering for a niche market because I don't see no mobile food trucks that's doing kosher food like that. For a long time, I didn't know where to start with this podcast. I couldn't decide whose story should come first. It's not an easy question to answer. But today, as the coronavirus continues to rage, as frustration at centuries of racial injustice boils over into our streets, and as millions of us teeter on the brink of an unprecedented economic collapse, there was really only one choice that felt right. Meet Troy. He lives in Philadelphia, and he lost his job in March. Technically, Troy works for the company that manages dining services for University of Pennsylvania. But for the entire time he's been on campus, Troy has managed the kosher dining program at Upin Hillel, the Jewish student group on campus. And that changes his daily experience. Instead of working in a large dining hall, Troy works alongside Hillel staff and students. Troy told me about being laid off and how the Hillel staff and community rallied around him and his family, and not for the first time. He also told me about how his wife lost her job and how it feels as a person of color to have the deck so stacked against them. This is COVID Stories. My name is Troy Harris. The last day of work that I had was March the 18th. I was a cook at Penn University under Bon Appetit. I was working through um, the Jewish Halal, through a Jewish cafeteria. I've been there the whole time I've been on campus. I got a lot of good ties with a lot of alumni, mothers, families, really. I've seen a lot of families graduate through there, so I'm, I'm really, really tied to a lot of families in there and a lot of staff members and stuff like that. It's like we treat each other like family, you know. We don't look through the the color barrier or whatever. They embrace me like family, and I embrace them as the same. Due to the um, COVID pandemic, uh, bosses came over and let us know they um, was closing the dining hall early due to the pandemic. Hearing that and, and knowing you had bills to look forward to, it was it was really really it really really took me for a real loop hearing that. You know, I, I thought we was gonna weather the storm, but we didn't. I didn't do nothing right away. I sat there and uh, talked to a couple uh, alumni, and they was asking me, what is the um, company going to do during this pandemic? And I told them they never said that we, they was going to do nothing for us. And how they broke the news to us, they gave us a folder with a number of food shelters and um, people that can help our family. And I'm like, I'm working for a big company like this, and you're going to give me somewhere to go to a food bank? You know, that's when I knew it really, really was bad. I served a lot of time there. I worked there over 20 years. I've been there. I've been there from from three predecessors, and I've been with this company for 10 years. And to hear that and see how they proposed that to us, like I feel hurt. You know, 
we work hard for this company and I feel like it was no kind of support system from the company. So I feel hurt. People is going through it. They got all different ways they going through this pandemic and it's, it's some good ways and some bad. I can't speak for the people that's wealthy or in a good, you know, from a different background than what I'm coming from. For me and I, the people I know that's in the urban communities, it got everybody in survival mood. It feels, it feels bad and a lot of pressure on you, but I feel like being the minority and being a person of color, the stack is always against me. So this is another um, struggle uphill. That's all it is. Rabbi Mike and his staff that worked at the Penn Hillel, they went right into action ASAP. They done a fundraiser for us, and you know that that got us through a couple weeks to support our family, and that was great because. During the course of us figuring out what we're going to turn to next, Rabbi Mike was there and just, you know, it just took a load off me. Really, it did. It took a load off me just knowing that we had that support. Because I've been through a couple tragedies in my life. My son, two years ago, he was a gunshot victim. Got shot when he was 17. Now he's paralyzed. And they supported me. They've been there for me. And just to see them step up again, and it wasn't just him. It was the community supporting us. So I'm forever thankful and forever humble for that. Actually, my wife lost her, her job during the pandemic. This is like when the pandemic first hit. And they're not going to let her go back to work until she could clear from her doctor, her primary doctor. And she went and got a COVID test. So the hospital she went to, Jefferson Hospital, which is which is in Pennsylvania, the testing was at a slow, a slow rate getting back to her. So they took like a week to give her her test back. But they told her to go follow up with her doctor. And that's when all, everything, the city went on lockdown. And by the time our doctor got back with it, the boss was real, real, I'm talking about this guy's real, real, he was real cocky with it. And the way it hurted me to hear how he was talking to my wife. And he said directly, oh, I'm not holding your job, you're terminated. And I'm like, wow, I just, I don't know where my next income coming from. And to hear that from somebody, you know, you're working for, I said, it'll get better, it'll get better. That's all I can tell my wife right now, it'll get better. Because she heard that, it's like, that was jaw dropping because that was like her first job that she was holding on to since my son been in this accident. So it felt like everything was against us. The American dream is built on equity. Communities with equity build thriving, culturally rich neighborhoods. And when their funky vibe attracts developers with plans for luxury condos, equity helps hold gentrification at bay, preserving the physical neighborhood and preventing the erasure of an entire community's history. So when I spoke with Troy, I asked him about his neighborhood, about his connection to the physical place, and what it means to own equity, about what he sees happening around him, and how that makes him feel. It hurts, and you know what? It hurts me the worst. I work for one of the Ivy League institutions that brought my whole community up, and it's so bad. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I can't go through the youth. That's down there now. I'm telling them, yo, apply for the job, man. They paying good. Y'all can. I can't even tell them that. So I wear that logo every day knowing I'm not getting paid. And actually, they gender in my neighborhood where my grandmother was raised. My mom was raised. They gender them so much. If you get, if you move out, it ain't no hopes of you coming back because they're not going to rent to you. Because either your, either your financial background or either you're not a, a student or a doctor that's graduated from one of these Ivy League institutions that surround us in Philadelphia. So it's a, it's a shutout. 
because the genderifying the neighborhoods, once they make them beautiful, we don't get to come back. You know, we can survive in the roughest predicaments in the poorest, poverty neighborhoods. All we need is that shot to change it. Not let a person from another city or another state come and tear your whole block down. And you have no hopes of buying in the property. The beautiful property they built on your block where you see your, your cousins go through so much and you raised on that block and your grandmother was raised on that block and you feel like all your history is gone. So you have, you have some kind of say if you have equity in your community. It means you have something that you can leave your family in your community. You don't have to go, say if your grandmother's died, a lot of families don't get left nothing. You know, even if it's a home, that's, that's something that you can call your own. Under the PHA umbrella, it's not nothing that you can call your own. It's just something you're renting and renting and renting in years and years and years. They're making the money. They're just giving you a place to live, but you can do it. It's just showing everybody what's going on in the community. They see other nationalities do. We let them know we can do it too, and we can be our own business owners, our own homeowners. You know, even building corporations to employ our youths instead of shutting down all the recreation centers and tearing down schools in Philadelphia. We can do it through a workforce and change a lot of lives because you can you can just give somebody a, a clear, nice, straight up conversation. And that can that can ease the edge off off of some people's days that's going through a lot. And I feel like giving them an opportunity for they can change their lives of working and have a dignifying job that they can say, OK, I made some money to take care of my family, not made some money to barely eat. Six years ago, Troy launched a nonprofit organization, Grassroots as a vehicle for changing lives in his community. It's a food truck where anyone, no matter their background, can apply for a job and get hired. And because Troy has spent decades running a kosher dining program at Upin Hillel, it's a kosher food truck. Troy is a social entrepreneur, working to create systematic changes in his neighborhood and beyond by teaching others the business skills he's learned over a lifetime of hard work. He told me about his mission, about what he thinks is holding people back and what Grassroots is doing to change that. It's like a lot of people get discouraged because of their backgrounds. You know, if you know you had a clean background, just say roughly speaking, I got a clean background, I'm going to go apply for that job with a smile. If I know I got something on my background that's going to tarnish me, I'm not going to get up and go for that job because it's already in here. They're not going to hire me for my background. See, that's something grassroots is not going to do. We don't have a closed-door policy. So I feel like that's a change, and we open the doors for everybody. We're not, not caring. We care what you've done in your past, but it shouldn't stay in your future when you want to go straight. People have been false accused. People just, you know, hang with the wrong crowds. A lot of that happened in the early community, man, and a lot of innocent guys is in jail, you know, and just... Facing, facing the penalty because they have no lawyers, no financial stable to even, even have a lawyer to represent their case. So it's a system designed for a lot of us to fail. But you got you to gotta walk along them guidelines and still build your own, your own escape plan. You know, they say people go through all extremes to get their voice heard and for change. And I feel like we at that point now as a community, as a people of color, we have, you know, no other options, because I feel like through all that went happened, what happened through the past years, a lot of stuff got swept under the rug. And if people didn't talk about it, 
and stand up for it, it'd just be something something in the past. So I feel like standing up for me, from my point of view, and a lot of people scared to stand up for their rights a lot. So I feel like for the people that scared to stand up, stand up because you'll never know who's standing up with you. So that's why I look at us sticking together as a community and, and the grassroots being that chariot to, you know, to change some lives. I feel like it'll get a lot of a lot more people on track where I come from, because if they seeing me do it, I know they can do it, too. Grassroots consists of uh, roughly eight members, some Penn alumni, some parents, you know, from different backgrounds. Me, Kareem Wallace started in 2014. I feel like we can we can get a platform of being bringing back the urban business owners and more so when they how they gentrify in our communities. This grassroots movement is showing that we can own equity in our own communities instead of getting builded over and just have to move out. Uh, the food truck consists of kosher food. We're doing kosher vegan options and we got dairy options. So we're doing like a a new twist, our awesome quesadillas, gotcha sriracha hamburger, well, actually veggie burger. Man, we doing catering, we do weddings, we do Shabbat dinners, we do everything. So I'll be catering for a, a niche market because I don't see no mobile food trucks that's doing kosher food like that. So from being in Penn's Jewish community, I feel like we would get a lot of gravitation to our movement more so anywhere because I know a lot of families that's in the Jewish community all around. So we've been doing that for actually roughly six years. I met some amazing people. You know, I've been in some big platforms that, you know, that felt like it was more so managing managing what they wanted to see happen. So me and Kareem and a couple of our members backed out of a couple of things because it was more so, it wasn't more so community engagement. The business is about, you know, shaping up our youth and the young adults and the adults in our community to learn a skill with their hands, such as cooking that they can take around the world with them. And then just getting farther, they don't have to be a product of your environment because a lot of people would love to get back on track, but can't find a train to get on. So I feel like grassroots would be the train that'll help the community and help people get their life at a, at a stable point. Because one thing about where I work at the at the Penn Hallel, it didn't matter what color you was. You know, they respect everybody and the respect go a long way, you know. So I feel like putting that respect and putting the goal behind these communities and start letting them know it's people that's there to help. And I come from the same struggles they come from. And we're going to make sure they proceed their goals of either being a homeowner, a business owner, carpentry, electrician, whatever they want to do, our committee is going to is going to dig deep and try to help them fulfill them goals. That's what grassroots consists of. We're trying to turn and see this into an institution years to come and something that can be engraved in Philadelphia as a big, 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 big program. It's been hard, but we have some good, good supporters and good people that's on the advisory board been keeping grassroots alive these last six years. For everybody going through tough times, Right now, during this pandemic, during struggles in their life, you know, it's always good to talk to people and you never know who's going to be there to help. So keeping a lot of things bottled in, it hurts you even more. Stand to the front line and use your voice. You know, you'll reach a lot of ears because I'm a true believer and and I'm, 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 I'm a part of that. So I feel like speaking up for your right is fine, but you got to have a plan when everything falls. 
to go forward. So don't nothing good happen overnight. So just keep keep the faith and um keep on pushing, man, and trying to change lives because changing lives is the best thing in the world. Because if you can help somebody during the course of you helping yourself, that's a blessing and that's a blessing in itself. So I just want to say thank everybody that supported grassroots through these years. I will thank my advisory board, everybody, all the members. These the guys and the girls, well the young ladies that's gonna <laughs> the young ladies that's gonna change our change the world with me. So, you know, we're more than just staff, we family. This podcast features the stories of real people. To learn more about Troy, his journey, and how you can support his work, including grassroots, visit our website, covidstoriespodcast.com. You'll find show notes for each episode, with ways to directly support the people featured here and the passions that fuel their stories. COVID Stories is a self-supported podcast. It's produced and edited by me, Nathan Vaughn. To learn more about how you can support this project or to submit your story to be featured in a future episode, visit our website. The address again is covidstoriespodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This is COVID Stories.